Well, good morning. That was a heck of a nice introduction. Man, <laughs> wow. It's awesome to be here this morning. As uh, Pastor John said, I'm Todd. If you want to hear more about our ministry, you can go to hisfeet.com, H-I-S-F-E-E-T.com. <laughs> and uh, you can even scroll down on the bottom of our main page there, and you can put in your email address, and you'll, be, you'll receive updates from us uh, about what we do. Just, uh, just over this past week, I was processing reports from uh, Afghan refugees that are living in India that we've, we've been feeding. I've been processing reports from... Uh, the work in China where an unreached people group is being reached. They previously not had the gospel before our ministry, and now, now the tribe is coming to, to, to know Jesus right in the face of persecution and, and other things, other challenges. And uh, what was the other one I got reports on this? Like, oh, yeah, from the Philippines. Uh, we're feeding people in the, um, in the garbage dump communities there. They've been devastated by the COVID lockdowns economically. And I just got a, a great report on several people that uh, that were that were really touched from, you know, from from what we're doing. You know, we send, you know, th- literally thousands of dollars to these different projects, and and sometimes people just report with just numbers. And I tell them I don't really want to just hear numbers. I want to hear the stories of the people whose lives we're touching. Yeah. If you can't tell me that, then all we're doing is just handing something out. And I got a great report about this woman named Salvation. Those of you who are on our mailing list, uh, the email mailing list probably already know this story. But, uh, you know, she, 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 she fell sick. She was taking care of her grandkids. Her son was killed in a, a drug bust. You know, he was involved in drugs. It was a buy-bust operation, and he ended up losing his life over it. So she had to take care of the, the grandkids. And then she fell ill. And w- w- when you're in those kind of environments and you get sick, you don't have the resources to get better. You don't have the nutritious food or the clean water or the sanitation around you. And so she was living in, in the antithesis of all that stuff. And so she, she was getting worse and worse and she couldn't walk. And, uh, and our team continued to minister to her, get, get food to her, get her strength built up. And then finally they prayed for her and laid hands on her and she felt something go through her body. And within a couple of days, she recovered and completely walked now. And she came, she came to church. <laughs> so praise God. So I'm excited to, to preach this morning. Um, I already did it once. It's kind of like a practice. Nine o'clock service kind of like a practice session, right? Yeah. Um, and I wanted to talk this morning to you about the first car that I bought. Yeah. The fir- How many of you remember the first car you bought? Some of you young people don't remember because you haven't bought it yet. <laughs> I bought my first car when I was around 19, maybe 20. It took me till I was about 19 to get my driver's license. That was because I was kind of in the world before Christ in my life. And certain things happened where I wasn't able to get my driver's license, right? <laughs> and uh, I got my driver's license and I became a PhD, a Pizza Hut driver. And so I needed a car for this job. I really needed one. And uh, my dad had been so gracious, letting me use, you know, his cars. And, um, you know, and I just, uh, I was always, you know, borrowing the family's cars. I needed one, and I think I needed some money to buy this car. And I'm pretty sure I borrowed it from my grandmother, the money. 
couple hundred bucks, and uh, she's not with us anymore, and I'm not sure I ever paid it back. Um, that debt's pretty much forgiven, right? <laughs> is, is that how it works? <laughs> oh, you can see what kind of man I am. <laughs> Anyhow, so I went, and I got my dad, and I said, Dad, we got to go look at this car, this Ford Escort. It's, a, it's like within, you know, the money I borrowed, I can buy it. I was like, Dad, we got to go look at it. And my dad's like, no, it's nighttime. It's not good to look at this at nighttime because it's nighttime. <laughs> and you're not going to be able to see it. Why don't you wait till tomorrow? Wait? Come on. I wasn't raised to wait. I was raised like right now. You know, they, my parents didn't raise me that. I'm talking about the general culture just raised me that way, right? And that all, the, all the anxiety and the excitement of like, I want to get my car, right? And so we buy this Ford Escort at night, and looked at it, it looked like it ran. The next day, we discovered that the pulley for the timing belt fell off. Underneath, there was all sorts of those holes that you get, you know, in cars in Pittsburgh, like the, the bottom might not be there, so beware. <laughs> So the, the, most of the bottom was gone from rust, and, and uh, the, uh, we looked under the, the wheel well of this car, and there was a hole cut out with torches <laughs> to get to that pulley. The pulley was just basically like JB welded on there. I don't know if you know what JB weld is, but it's like this strong adhesive that's supposed to you know, weld metal together, but I don't care how, what you say. This stuff doesn't work at that kind of you know, torque or whatever, and heat and all that. And so... This car was a complete disaster, and it was a complete lesson to me as well, too. You know, sometimes God's lessons are very dramatic, very painful. And so, that car wasn't performing the way it was supposed to. It wasn't functioning the way it was supposed to function. And today, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about, is, is, is our function and our purpose as believers and and in the church, especially with all that's going on right now in the world. So if you turn with me to Mark chapter 11, we're going to go ahead and start reading at verse 12. And I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And the reason I chose this version is because it's English and it's standard. And also it was the cheapest Bible at Hobby Lobby when I got a new Bible. No other reason than that. <laughs> it could have been the JK, NSP, NAV, EST, ESPN, NBSC, all that. And I still would have bought it. But anyhow, we want things in our lives to function properly. We want our bodies to function properly. How many of you know when your body's not functioning properly, you feel it? When your body's not working, you feel it. When something's not right in your emotions or in your, in your mind, it's, 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 it's there. We want our houses to function properly. Now Mark 11, verse 12, it says this. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. This is Jesus speaking. And they came from Bethany where they had um, risen Lazarus from the dead. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So Jesus, the nice, loving, peaceful person that we know, said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. 
and his disciples heard it. Now, I don't know if his disciples were supposed to hear it. He made sure that disciples did hear it. I think within the context of this whole passage that we're about to read today, that, that, that he wanted them to hear it. But take note, the disciples heard it. So Jesus seemingly did something very mean. He curses a fig tree because it didn't give him what he wanted. He, he curses this tree, and, and, and if you read it, it was because it wasn't producing figs when it wasn't supposed to produce figs. <laughs> it's like, come on, Jesus, can't you give that fig tree a break? Like, it wasn't supposed to. It wasn't supposed to be producing figs at that moment. So we'll get back to the fig tree. And then the scene progresses, and they come to Jerusalem. And Jesus and the disciples, they entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. But Jesus, again... It's like, man, was he still mad at the fig tree when he went into the temple? I don't know. He goes into the temple, and he's just full of what seems to be like anger or something. And he was just passionately starting to just clean house, if you will. Turn over the tables and drive out the money changers. And and there there was a reason for it. And it says that reason in Mark 1117 here, the first part of that verse. And he was teaching them and saying to them. He was teaching them. That was his reason for turning over the tables. That was his reason for driving out the dove sellers and the pigeon sellers and, 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 and all of the busyness that was going on there. He put a halt to it. He taught pretty dramatically, wouldn't you say? I don't know, have you ever had a teacher like this that like turned over the tables or, you know, maybe you did. I don't think teachers can get away with that these days, right? They'd be put in jail or something, but (laughs) Jesus just, you know, it looks like he threw a fit here, right? And it's so interesting because he goes on to say, is it not written? Now, when Jesus says, is it not written, I think we need to pay attention Amen? When Jesus says, is it not written, we're going to get an interpretation of what the Old Testament meant. When Jesus says, it is not written, we're going to get a lesson that is going to be like a powerful seed in our hearts that we can remember and hold on to, even when we don't have a Bible right in front of us. Is it not written, Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. My house shall be called a prayer, a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Isn't that sad? So here he declares to us the proper function and the purpose of the temple. It was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. You know, there's something intrinsic about um, Israel's call as a nation to be a light to the Gentiles. Israel's call uh, as a nation was to be that that state, if you will, that, that nation, if you will, that kingdom, if you will, that, that, that lived under King Yahweh's rule and reign. They were supposed to reflect that in their lives. And this place in the temple was a place where they, people could come that weren't even Jewish, 
Gentiles could come and they could find God there. They could pray to God there. There was The church spread rapidly in the book of Acts amongst God-fearers who were people that feared God, feared Yahweh, feared Jehovah, but were not Jewish. They were not circumcised. And God had a created space for them in the temple. And that was the area that they turned into just this busy place where they were doing everything but what they should have been doing, which was praying. And they turned it into a den of robbers. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, my house here? Jesus said, my house. He didn't come in and say, you took this place here and turned it in. No, he said, my house. How many of you know when something's going wrong dysfunctionally in your house, you need to rise up and say, not in my house, right? And that goes for a lot of different things. I could tell you, you know, just some practical examples when, when my kids say clog things that shouldn't be clogged in the house. <laughs> you know, it's like all hands on deck. We got to find that thing and get that thing worked out. You know what I mean? The plunger. <laughs> We've got to get that. It, like, not in my house. You know, I don't want to clean up that floor. Jesus, my house. He was God. <laughs> And I love how he says here in this, in the book of Mark, that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Very specific in the purpose. The, 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 the prayer would be, the house of prayer would be so that people from all nations could come, but also a place to pray for that purpose in reaching the nations. And any time, you might hear me say this in every single message I ever preach, but every time you see the word nations, it's the word ethnos in the Greek, which is where we get the word ethnic from in the English language. And so what Jesus is saying here, that my house is a house of prayer for all ethnicities. All ethnicities. And when we look at Jesus using this word nations, it's the same word when he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You know, Jesus specifically wants his mission, that mission that actually was the mission of Israel, he commissioned that mission to his disciples to complete it. He, com- he commissioned his disciples to be a part of this mission to reach all nations. You know, the Bible says so many key things about this. In Matthew 24, 14, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, it's just in the book of Revelation, there's a beautiful scene, Revelation 7, 9, gathered around the throne, and there's people there from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people. It just doesn't get more specific. (laughs) That the mission is to reach every single people group on earth. And that's why our mission was so impacted by the fact that there was unreached people groups in this world. People that had never heard the name of Jesus before. And I'm sure if you've heard me talk before, you've heard me talk about it because this is what, this is what pulled me out onto the field. To do, to do what we do is the fact that there was people that never heard the name of Jesus before. So after Jesus said this, verse 18, the chief priests and the scribes heard and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Now verse 20, back to the fig tree. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, 
the fig tree that you killed has withered. I added that killed in there. The fig tree that you cursed was withered. Jesus killed the fig tree, okay? He didn't just curse it. He wasn't just talking. How many of you know when Jesus says something, it happens? And he cursed that fig tree. That fig tree did wither and die because it wasn't producing figs when it wasn't supposed to produce figs. (laughs) Think about it. But really, Middle Eastern fig trees, they had this thing on it called a nodule, called a figlet. And that's what Jesus was really looking for. So Jesus sees this tree. Get the picture. He sees this fig tree. And this fig tree looks like a fig tree. It looks like it should be a functioning fig tree. And he sees it and he goes up to it expecting to find nodules that he can fill his hunger with. And he finds nothing. Because that fig tree was not doing its purpose. That fig tree was not functioning. He basically called out that fig tree for what that fig tree was. Which was useless. Nothing. Producing nothing. Functioning not. You see? (laughs) And this was all part of the lesson. He wanted his disciples to see that that fig tree looked like a fig tree. It looked like it was doing its job, but it wasn't. That temple, it looked like it was doing its job. It looked pretty darn busy, but it wasn't doing its job. It wasn't functioning. What, What wasn't it doing? It wasn't a house of prayer. Nobody was praying. Everybody was doing everything but praying. And sometimes there's a lot of good activities you can get involved in, but if it gets in the way of the main thing, it ain't functioning. And if it's not functioning, maybe it's dysfunction. So Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So Jesus is calling his disciples back to that function to pray. And not only just pray, but pray what seems to be here, pray in power, pray with faith. Pray believing that something's going to happen. Pray believing that God knows and wants to bring you, this is his grace, he wants to bring you to a place of proper functioning in your life, in your families, in your work. And he all wants us to be a part of the function of the church, which is to reach every nation. Every nation. And somehow this glorious thing called his body, you know, there's... It's all tied together. We're all on the same team. And I'm not, I don't care if you're the greeter or you're a missionary like me or you're Pastor John or you're Jolene with the food ministry. We're all part, a small part of this big thing. And it all works together. You can't say, Jolene can't say, I just do the food pantry. That's that. No, she needs to pray for the nations. I can't say I just do the nations. I can pray for the food pantry. Amen? And so, yeah, we, all get to, <laughs> we all get to be a part of that. And so this fig tree and the temple scene, it just moves from, function, from not functioning, from dysfunction, to praying, to praying with power and praying with effectiveness. And I want to encourage you guys, we all say that like we want to pray for people, and we always say, oh, I'll pray for you. 
Somebody tells me something going on in their life, I say, oh, oh, I'll pray for you. We need to say, I'll pray for you right now. Let's pray right now. People of faith, come together and let's pray right now. So remember that because God didn't just call us to to pray uh, in our closet, which is probably the main place he has called us to pray, but he's called us to pray for people. And that's the place where, where we're actually being the temple. You know, Jesus and Paul, they called us the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, we're like the new temple, right? I don't think I have to explain that too much biblically because I didn't prepare that. <laughs> it was like, ooh, step out on a ledge. <laughs> but you get it? We're the temple and we're called to be a house of prayer for all nations. That means that we need to be welcoming and hospitable to every single person, no matter where they're from in any situation. We need to be willing to pray for them if they come to us for prayer. If they're not coming to us, pray that they will come to us for prayer. We need to be participating in that mission. And of course, I want to encourage each and every one of us to pray for the nations. When my first international short-term mission trip was actually to the Ukraine. And this kind of hit me the last couple days. I was like, whoa. Like that was the place where God called me to missions because I saw people who the religious systems kept from finding God, who the government, communist government, because I went right after the fall of communism in 1992. The, you know, you could see the, uh, the people there that had, had, had been shielded from finding God from, like I said, the religious systems and the, uh, you know, the government and all that. So they were unreached. They had never heard of Jesus before. And we were preaching the gospel on the streets and people would just cry and break and come to know Jesus. I was just so impacted. You know, I went on that trip as a hockey missionary. I don't know how many of you know my story, but I played ice hockey. And so I went on this Christian missionary ice hockey team to Russia. Sounds like something that shouldn't exist, right? But <laughs> it did. It was like a dream come true for me. You know, we, we went and we played hockey, and we would draw these crowds of three or 4,000 people just to watch our hodgepodge hockey team from all over the U.S. and Canada playing there in the Ukraine. And we would play, and we had some big guys from, from Canada, some big defensemen, and in one game they actually checked a Ukrainian dude so hard that he got knocked out, had to be carried off on a stretcher. And then we preached the gospel in between periods. I was like, this, man, God can work through this with this? Like people getting saved and you see the dude just got knocked out? (laughs) Man, God, you're good, I'm in. (laughs) I signed up. So the Ukraine has a special place in my heart because that was where I saw it for the first time that there was people that had never heard the name of Jesus before. And I saw what happened to them, here's the key, when they heard. Because there is power in that name. (laughs) There's power in the name of Jesus. And so right now, as we are about to close, um, I want to uh, just begin to pray for the nations. I want to pray for Ukraine. 
You know, we said that we were going to do it. Pastor John implored us to pray, and I want to encourage you to continue to pray. This isn't a thing where we could just pray right now. I don't know. Um, I just saw in between services, I saw a news flash that, that Putin put his nuclear squad on high alert. This is serious. And so we need to be praying, maybe even fasting again. I know many people just fasted in January. It wasn't that last month? <laughs> but this is serious. And so let's pray together as a body. Can we agree together right now? Can we have faith in God that this mountain is going to be moved? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just come together as a body. Lord, we pray, Father God, right now for the Ukraine, Lord Jesus. We pray for peace there. We pray, Father God, that Russia would back off, that that leadership there would stand down, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray, Father God, for you to send angels to protect your body there. There there are Christians in the Ukraine praying in subway stations right now, praying for their very lives, for their very country, women having babies in those subways. Lord, we just pray, Father God, that you would intervene. We ask you, Lord, humbly right now, Lord, that you would intervene in this situation, Lord. We can't just sit back, Lord. Don't ever let us be like the fig tree. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would come and turn over the tables in our heart right now. Help us to see our function in in your grand scheme of things, in your mission, Lord. Lord, we just pray and we pray and we pray and we intercede and stand in that gap right now, Father, for Ukraine, Lord Jesus, for your safety there, Lord. We pray, Father God, for your justice there. We pray, Father God, that you would reign supreme. We pray, Father God, that you would answer the attack of the enemy. Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would reveal yourself even to Putin, Lord. We need you now, Lord. Ukraine needs you now, Father. And we just cry out to you, Father. Move, Lord. Move, Lord. And I thank you for this church, Father. I thank you, Father God, for for Westers, Lord Jesus. We just pray, Father, for every one of the, the ministries that this church represents Father God every one of the ministries that this church does Lord all of the people that we're reaching Lord let us stay on course Father as we've been preaching the last few weeks let us stay the course Lord let us even see more harvest Lord let this be the time of harvest as it is Lord as your word declares Bless everyone that's serving in this heart, in this, in this uh, church, Father God. And I pray that no one would lose heart, Father. Don't lose heart, church. Don't lose heart. God is on the throne. Jesus is the king, and his kingdom will last forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just worship you and praise you and thank you, Father, for the opportunity to share today. Help us to be that house of prayer for all nations. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.